Welcome back to Cocktails and Crankshafts. It's your boy, the killer bee, the fat man, the Africanized honeybee, the car god blog, zero five guy, the zero five car guy. That's car guy blog, zero five at gmail.com, zero five car on Twitter, the word zero, Z E R O, the number five, the word car, C A R, at Twitter. That's me. With me, as always, is my fabulous co-host may flowers what up may what up how's it going man you know it's going it's like a jungle uh, this, is gonna, this is definitely going to date this but happy new year right 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 you got you know bye-bye 2020 and welcome 2021 and whatever this part of the crap show will be as we're recording this today is the third of january 2021 um, I suspect this won't be released. I'm out of order at this point, so these are these are coming out very randomly. We might record twice today, and one will come out in January or February, and the other one might not be out till June. It just it is what it is. Sure. Um, <laughs> that said, today we're going to talk about we're going way back in the way back machine, June twenty and twenty one two thousand nine. <laughs> exactly <laughs> way back machine the time machine we're going back in the day a car i do not even own anymore a car that subsequently blew its engine and was uh relieved of my care i guess you could say but um we're talking about redline time attack at autobahn country club in joliet illinois on the weekend of june 20th and 21st 2009 um Let's set the table a little bit. So I had the Stinger, which is my flat black track prepped car, roll cage, big brakes, uh, high friction, high temperature brake pads, safety harnesses, et cetera, et cetera, uh, camera mount, the whole shebang, right? Normally aspirated, but prepped to run on a track, could run on a track in 90 degree temperatures all day and not overheat. Okay, now picture the fall of 2007. I pull into the garage and start to dismantle that car because I'm going to add a turbocharger and a new suspension. And I think my harness, my safety harness had uh, reached the end of its, uh, reached its inspection date. And I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. When my harness gets to its inspection date, I just throw it out and get another one. Um, I never really believed in sending the harness off for inspection and or rewebbing. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, see, that was going to be my question. Did you just send it off to get inspected or you just chuck it and buy a new one? Uh, they will inspect them. But my thing is, I know that uh, nylon degrades in ultraviolet light. And so if you have a car that sits, that spends any significant time outside, um, those seat belts deteriorate over time. And it's just, for me, it's just easier to, scrap them and get new ones but all of that had sort of come around and i had a place i was in a place at the time where i had a big old garage where i could do this kind of work so i get the car up on the jack stands i pull the engine out i pull the wheels off i drop the, the the oil pan i drop part of the suspension and while i'm doing this in my real life i apply for a new job Funny and how that works. As my life goes, as the, the way my life typically works, if I apply for a job and getting that job would be inconvenient to me, 
predictably, I get that job. For instance, I apply to graduate school. I got a new job. I started dismantling <laughs> my race car to rebuild it. I got a new job. So, <laughs> so um, what I'm hearing you say is if you want a new job, you need to go start something complicated. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. I need to like have a kid or get married or yeah. whatever, and poof, new job will mysteriously appear. Bam. Cause me to have to relocate somewhere. That's a bar. So it's time for me to go. I got a quickie, bolt this car back together to tow it to my new locale. In the meantime, uh, summer comes, fall comes, and spring comes back around. And unfortunately, in my new situation, I just didn't have time to get the car done. So the brakes are on, the new engine, uh, the turbocharger and the intercooler are on. I did not have time to redo the suspension. However, it's now racing season, and I've got a dilemma. I got two events coming early in the season, and my car is not ready. So what do I do? I pull out the backup car, the buzzer. Now, the buzzer at this point in its life has about 130,000 miles on it, is 13 years old on its original suspension. And um, let's just say I had painted it so it would look cute, but the car was um, not really suitable for racetrack use. But I so it's gutted like taking- it up. Taking a shower or not taking a shower and putting on cologne? No, this is more like going trying to run a marathon in um, not your old raggedy running shoes, but like your Ooh. old raggedy running shoes that have rolled over on the edges. Eek. Yeah, that's not yeah. going to work. Not only has the, all the cushioning collapsed, but you've worn all the tread off the bottom too. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. And now you got to go run 26 miles on them. Ooh. Yeah, same same situation, essentially. So, but I live in Iowa, and opportunities to participate in nationally recognized motorsports events for amateurs are few and far between. So I gut it up, and I say, you know what? I'm going to take the pretty car, and I'll be pretty but slow. And while I'm there, I'll call one of my favorite hip-hop models that I know, and say, hey, why don't you come up and do a photo shoot with the car while we're at the track? You can sell some 8x10s, blah, 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 blah. She agrees, because she's just down the road in St. Louis. And uh, Joliet, Autobahn is in Joliet, which is on the train line between St. Louis and Chicago, regular Amtrak service. So I was like, look, I'll put you on the train. You meet me in Joliet, I'll pick you up. You know, you got a hotel, I'll spring for your meals, plus I'll pay you some, you know, we worked out some level of pay for the time that she was actively working at the track. Sounds like a good arrangement. Well, yeah, until, except for what had happened was. <laughs> <laughs> so I load up my stuff. I load up my tables, my tent, my cooler, my folding chairs, uh, my jack, my tools, my cameras, my video, like everything I need for a weekend for a photo shoot and a weekend at the track, right? I get over there. It's, it's to the point where I have to go to the hotel and unburden some of the stuff from the car so that she will fit when she gets to the train station. 
Cool. We get to the train station. We get set up. We get her in her room. I get in my room. We get all situated and head to the track. Well, I get to the track and they've got my, I've got my ticket. And I'm like, yeah, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yakety smackety. The guy says, you're good, but she's got to pay. And I forget what it was, but it was some amount of money that wasn't like, you know, pocket change. Uh, Something not you had change. not negotiated either. Not pocket change to me back then on a tight race budget on a race weekend where I got to spring for two hotel rooms, food for two, train ticket, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I'm like, what the, f- she's not a spectator. She's with me. She's crew. Uh, the last time I did one of these, I, I could bring up to six people with me. He's like, well, no, that's not that's not what we're doing. Anybody that comes in other than the driver has to pay. What? Ooh, they all some so, bullshiggity. Here's the difference. Um, not that most race clubs aren't private, race tracks aren't private, but Gateway being an event location, um, they rented Gateway. And so if you paid money to bring your car in to race, you could basically bring, like I said, I think they said like six people. Because the, the theory is, if you're coming in, you got a car, a trailer, a co-driver in the truck, and three or four people to work on the car with you, right? That's right. the theory. Well, Autobahn, being a private motorsport country club, has a different take on, on these kinds of things. And they were charging per head, no matter what. Ooh. So I like, mackety smackety. I pay for her to come in. We go in. I get the car set up. I get her set up. And I wasn't even, we like, we didn't bring her stuff. This was strictly supposed to be a shoot day, not a set up the table and sell eight by tens day. But as I look around, I'm realizing Autobahn, because it is a private motorsport club, and while they, they do bring in bleachers for certain events, it's not really set up for spectators. So there's not going to be anybody there. It's not going to be like a, like a Nopi event or like a Battle of the Import events where there's going to be thousands of spectators there. Which makes you wonder why they were charging per head anyway, or unless well, that's, that's probably why, why, that's they, why were they were charging per head. Per head. Because, um, I mean, the memberships there are ridiculous. And I we went through those numbers in one of the other episodes. But you have to be legitimately rich. You have to be legit wealthy to have a membership at Autobahn. I mean, we're talking like 40 grand initial fee plus 10, 20 grand a year or some nonsense like that. It, it's pretty oh, like, like rich, rich. Yeah, like Lamborghini, Ferrari people rich. Which, you know, in greater metro Chicago, you have people with that kind of money. So they can do that. Absolutely. But uh, long story short, we get in there and I go do my practice session. And not only am I slow, I'm painfully, dangerously slow. I'm like, oh, this isn't safe for me to be out here. Because I have a good judge of, you know, this is not my first track event. And I have a real good judge for closing speed and what's going on with other cars coming by me and passing and all that kind of stuff. And I figured out real quick, not only was I not going to be competitive, but I was basically a moving roadblock. You know, I was, I was a moving speed bump on the course. Ouch. And that's not a safe situation, particularly in the summer where pop-up thunderstorms can turn the track into a, a slip and slide real quick. Right. 
So discretion being the better part of valor, I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make the smart play here. We went back, me and a uh, miss, miss hip hop model shot some photos. Hey, she was decidedly not famous. So the idea of setting up a tent, letting her sell eight by tens and sign is like, okay, that that's not going to fly up here in this event at one of these kind of bike you know, motorcycle drag things like they used to have here in North Carolina, where there's going to be literally a thousand black people there. Different situation, but. Um, this was not that type of event. Right. This time, this place, this situation, it wasn't going to fly. So it's like, okay, let's shoot. Let's get a quick shoot in. Uh, we'll run back to the hotel, swap out some stuff, drive into the city. And that's what we did. We drove into the city, got some shots at the, at the, I think this is the 60th Street Beach House at uh, Lake Michigan, which is one of the public beaches in Chicago, but it was closed that day due to uh, E. coli warning. Uh, they got a thing there where they monitor the, monitor the water, and if the E. coli readings in the water get too high from seagull poop or goose poop or whatever, they, uh, they close the beach. Yeah, because nobody so, wants no part of that. Right. So the beach was closed that day, but uh, we were able to get into the into the uh, the beach house, the swimming house. Back in the old days, when people used to wear the long wool swimming suits, oh. it was the the changing house, and it's still you know it's a it's a substantial structure there on the on the coast of Lake Michigan. So we got in there and got some cute pictures and some you know city in the backdrop pictures, and went back to the hotel, and uh, it was what it was. She got her money, and the next morning I got her on a train back to St. Louis. And you know, with Amtrak, it's not a big deal to go back a day early because uh, they're they're not pressed for seats like airplanes are. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, I did I go back to the? No, I didn't even go back. I went. I just went home. Yeah. Just, so I just done and done. I there's no point if you're going to be so slow that it's dangerous. Yeah. There's just you don't no wanna... point in in doing it. So because it's not even fun at that point. Right. Because my my hopes of you know, having my car splashed on Redline's webpage or, you know, placing like I did in St. Louis where I placed. And so therefore a photo of my car and my name were plastered onto the website. If you're going to be dead last, you're not going to get that treatment. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, dead last by a wide margin. Yeah. Um, nobody's into that. Yeah. Nobody's into that. So it was like, eh, it's not worth it for the, you know, the odds of me, of my car getting shot where they can read the dot com on the back bumper and go to my website and it's like meh. Mm -mm. Oh, and the other thing being, of course, with that car not having a roll cage, I had no camera mount, so I couldn't even get footage. And it's not like today where you just stick GoPros all over your car. Um, in 2009, I did not own a GoPro. I was still using a tape-based um, mini DV camcorder. Which yeah, required, we're, I don't know. Were GoPros even out in 2009? They might have been, but they were, they were might have been. really expensive. Yeah. And they, those were standard def. I think I'm pretty sure those were still standard definition GoPros. Let's, uh, let's ask the Google machine. Ah, yes. Let's GoPros, ask the Google. Um, 2004, first camera, which was a 35 millimeter film camera. Okay, 2007 was the Digital 3, which was the 3 megapixel. Uh, stills and standard definition video. Digital Five came out in 2006. Yeah, the Hero Two didn't come out to 2011. Oh, oh, oh! Now here it is. The 
the 1080p five megapixel hero naked led released on january 25 2010 okay so yeah 2010 is when gopros got good because i know it hasn't been that long and then they just kind of disappeared okay here's the secret right i own i have owned six seven eight maybe nine gopros total oh dad none of which i ever bought new they don't have any moving parts and if you right. don't abuse them they don't really break so there's no impetus to go back and get a new one like oh, the one, okay. i had a standard definition i sold it to a friend i bought an hd i bought another hd i bought another hd i bought another hd i bought another hd i sold three of them and then i bought two more and then i bought a session the little cube one but here's the catch if it doesn't fall off your car, if you don't lose it in the ocean or you don't smash it, it's good. It works. So there's no reason to go trade up and buy another four, three or $400 one next year when the right. $85 one you got off of eBay works just fine. Right. You know, their business model kind of painted themselves into a corner. Everybody that wanted a GoPro had a GoPro. Right. When that happens, you have to innovate and release new products that people are compelled to buy, which is what they try to do with the drone. It didn't mm -hmm. work out because drone companies were better at it than they were. I don't know that they're dead, but they've kind of gotten themselves into a situation where they just, they can't sell any more cameras. So anyway, right. um, anyway, all of that to say at that time in 2009, I was relying on tape based standard definition camcorders which had to sit on something sturdy like a roll cage and in a street car that did not have a roll cage in it i couldn't even get good track footage so i was like this is a blown weekend i'm going home so i sent her home i went home and it was what it was now the funny part was the the photos i got of my car that i took myself because the car was painted bright you know that was when it was bright yellow and had the the B on the hood and had the 240SX decals down the side. Mm -hmm. And I had my big old Redline Time Attack number plates on the side. It looked great. You know, it, was, it looked good. It, it was what it was. It was the photo car, but it was not right. the racing car. It was the and, Q car. Um, that's what happens when you show up at a gunfight with a sword. A right. pretty nickel-plated, highly polished sword with your white gloves on but it's still a sword and you're in a gunfight. And you're in a so, gunfight, right. Um, you, you look know, great, but you yeah. ain't ready. You look good, but you're going to die. So yeah. <laughs> it, it was what it was. Redline Time Attack 2009 was a good idea, but a failed attempt, kind of like Wonder Woman 84. So what, happened, what happened to the other 83 movies? <laughs> <laughs> right why are we starting at 84 where's one through 83 yeah, they're so stupid. Um, people are dumb but um no because i did i did two motorsport events in the spring of 2009 in that car and i paid dearly for that because that car was not appropriate um to those situations that's the same car that i took the to road america and had the mishap with so it just wasn't um, ready for prime time right and Road America should have taught me a lesson, but you know, you get so keyed up about the opportunity to, to do something that you don't get to do. Cause that was literally the last time that I drove my car in an actual motorsport event. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, until this year, until well, until summer of 2020, when I took the 350Z out for autocross, I had not driven a vehicle I owned in a motorsport event since that day in June of 2009. It's like riding a bike, though, right? You just pick up where you left off? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I still know how to shift. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. Um, right. And, you know, the time I spent in Vegas with the exotic racing um, sort of reminded me that, yes, I can drive a high-performance car, um, especially modern ones that have all kinds of electronic doohickeys. Of course, the, the, my 240s don't have ABS, don't have traction control, um, don't have any electronic anything other than the actual um, engine control, you know, the fuel injection computer. Right. Other than that, it's, it's uh, you know, the buzzer was an automatic transmission, but the stinger was three pedals on a stick and you, you, you pick your own gears. You hope that the differential holds up um, and you, you try not to hit the brake pedal too hard. And there and it's it is. Wet, you try not to step on the gas too hard, which is exactly what happened to me at road America. So <laughs> um, overall though, you know, it's a good event what I, what we used to say when I was autocrossing was you can't win if you don't enter. Actually, that. That, that was more of a drag racing thing. Cause in drag racing, there's money. So, you know, we always just say you, you can't win if you don't enter. So you pay your 25 bucks and you, you put your car on a starting line and hope for the best. True that. Can't finish if you don't start. Right. 